What is up, everyone? I am Charlie Shrem, and you are listening and watching another epic episode of Untold Stories, where twice a week together, we get to dive deep with some of Bitcoin's longest OGs, old guard folks, those who have been around since the early days, crypto's most influential leaders, politicians, executives at major corporations and in, 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 in the industries that want to like start being overtaken by, by crypto to really understand how this movement came to be. And I like to weave a nuanced narrative of the friends that I've made over the years, the people that I know, and kind of some of the things that, you know, historic, memorable watershed moments in history and kind of how we can learn from them and predict, you know, how things are going to be built in the future. And so so I'm really excited about today's show. Aaron, first of all, before I give you the introduction, you are one of the first people I actually met in this space uh, probably almost 10 years ago. Thanks for, for taking the time and coming on Untold Stories. It's my honor and a pleasure. Thank you. My honor, your honor. I feel like it's my honor. Um, you know, we've never really had had the time over the years to sit and had a, a, a longer conversation. You know, I guess you take uh, you take for granted and you take advantage of the people that have just been around the space for your long time. You consider them family and you always assume that they're going to be like the constant trailblazers. Uh, and when we're, it's funny. So so to give a little bit of background. You're an entrepreneur, consultant, writer, film producer, specializing in Bitcoin and blockchain technology. But I know Bitcoin is really closest to your heart. Your company, BitFilm, which has been around since the early days of Bitcoin, uh, creates commercials for clients, but uh, but mostly for Bitcoin and blockchain startups and mostly for, for things that you're feeling and for the people that you know. You've been actively using uh, uh, your art, your, your creative technique, your passion, your love, for all that is Bitcoin since since 2011, writing about it, organizing events and meetups. But really, more importantly, dude, I talk about you all the time on the show. You you were one of the founders of the Berlin Bitcoin community, and and other than than kind of the the California and New York Bitcoin community from 2011 to 2013, this was the the place. This was the place where kind of everything came to be. This is the location, physical and digital. That whole community, the author of many books, uh, like A Beginner's Guide to Bitcoin and Austrian Economics and Crypto Coins, Investing in Digital Currencies. You have a master's. Uh, you've been on all, all over TV and film from, from American media to, to other media, to Middle Eastern and, and Russian media, to Latin American media. You've been all over. And I'm excited to talk to you about like the early days of Bitcoin, kind of some of the cool stories, uh, how you got involved. So maybe some of like the meme stuff over the years, mm -hmm. Bitfilm, your new pr project that you're you're putting out art on. Where should we start? I mean, you were just at Bitcoin Miami yeah. last week. But, How but was maybe that you, conference uh, compared? It, it, it was great, but you said I'm one of the founders of the Berlin scene, and that's not quite true. I mean, there were there are some people. You know that the very first place where you could buy things for Bitcoin, like real things, a brick and mortar business, that was the Room Seventy Seven, and that was founded by. Uh, by Jörg, and and, and he, he was kind of the founder of that. And I, I, I came in later. Then we did like film shows and all of, of meetups. So, so what, what, I, what I started was kind of Satoshi Square, which I, which I copied from New York. Yeah, I was in New York seeing the Satoshi Square and said, let's do You can't really Berlin. copy something. Then, yeah. In hindsight, yeah. you didn't really, yeah, it was 2011 or something, you know, at the, at, back then we were copying everything from each other. It's fine. We are all open source. And I, and I asked the guy who founded it and said, yeah, yeah, sure, do it. And we just renamed it. We called it Bitcoin Exchange Berlin. And we had a great venue and we had like funny hats and chalkboards where you could write this, the price on. And that developed in a really long running meetup. Now I don't live in Berlin anymore, so I don't do it anymore. But there, I said for a while there were like three different meetups. So there's a lot of things going on in Berlin. Maybe now it's a bit down to all this corona, corona shit. Yeah, but... Um, yeah, Berlin was interesting. Now, now I'm more more in Mexico and uh, and I'm very often in Miami. Yes, and I was in Miami last week at the big thing. It was very impressive how this evolved. I remember my very first conference. It was in London. There were like maybe 200 people. They were all nerds and they didn't understand a word. It was very geeky, very tech. And now it was 25,000 people and lots of you know investors and suits and you know broad mix of people, even even women. <laughs> 
So it has evolved. I guess you were at this very first Bitcoin conference in New York City in August 2011, right? You know, Satoshi Square is actually a really good way yeah. to describe kind of those physical meetups that, that were going on back then because they weren't like meetups yeah, in the true. sense that you'd all meet around the room. They were also like little economic markets in a way where people were buying and selling goods for physical Bitcoin. Uh, Satoshi Square operated around like, like that's where I actually sold Fred Wilson his first Bitcoin and um, in mm -hmm. that Satoshi Square. So, and uh, and that was where in the New York, Wall Street Bitcoin, you'd have the guy, he was up every day, like, you know, he would be announcing, oh, I have a seller of 10 Bitcoin for $100. Oh, do I have a buyer <laughs> for $110 for 10 Bitcoin? Yes, we have a buyer. And it's like yeah. every day there was a the guy with the bow tie. And, uh, but those those worlds still exist, right? Really? Like Bitcoin uh, Beach. Well, that's, well, Bitcoin Beach is a different story. We can't talk about Bitcoin Beach. But back in these days, we, we thought about how to differentiate, how can you see who's the seller and the buyer? And then we, we came up with these bowler hats, as you have them in the city of London. Nobody used them anymore, but we, we bought some bowler hats and the sellers who sold Bitcoin, they would wear these bowler hats and they would have like, little chalkboards to write their price. So people could <laughs> go around like on the market. And of course, TV teams, they loved it because it's so old fashioned, so analog, so anti-digital. So, but then I think the focus shifted and we had all the time like famous speakers and it was more about the interaction with the speakers. And yeah, people always bought and sold Bitcoin, but then also you had all these exchanges. So uh, the, the main purpose kind of focus, the, the focus shifted a bit, yeah. What you're talking about though is really the roots of mm -hmm. crypto and Bitcoin subculture because you had this, you know, remember we were on forums, we were on Reddit and chat rooms. That's all where we existed. And that was kind of funky, magic internet money. We never took ourselves too seriously. So what you're talking about was that, like around 10 years ago, what you're talking about is this, is this like, hey, we need to transfer the funkiness, not taking ourselves too seriously, but in the real world. And that was really, really important because the world wasn't, take, still doesn't take us very seriously, and especially didn't back then. So the fact that we were able to kind of make fun of ourselves and ha ha ha, like go look at something else and we're just having fun here. But really we're like changing the freaking world here. Yeah. That, but allowed us to have fun doing it. And, and, and kind Absolutely. of, I brought up Bitcoin Beach and Miami, El Salvador. You're, you've been jumping around um, following these Satoshi Square crypto culture communities around. And I love that. And, and I, lo I love following you mm. doing that because I, I haven't been able to really follow that as much. Uh, so, so you don't get art. Sometimes I get jaded that these communities don't exist anymore, that the early, like fun is gone and it's just suits and I industry. don't agree. No, no, no. I don't think so. I think there's still this feeling of community, this like culture thing. People still wear Bitcoin t-shirts here. That's from the Mexican embassy and you meet like-minded people. Yeah, of course, there's also a lot of business now. There are lots of companies and, and it is taken more seriously. I and mean, that was definitely something I take away from, from Miami. There were billionaires on the panel who said, oh, I discovered Bitcoin last year. Now I want to go, you know, big into it. There were senators from, from Washington, D.C., that it is taken, the, the, the president of El Salvador should have spoken. He had some trouble with the gangs back home, so he couldn't come. But it is it is coming to a new level. And I don't think it will lose that fun. Yeah? I mean, one thing, of course, it's, it's sure, uh, if in 10 years we still go to Bitcoin meetup and we still wear a Bitcoin t-shirt, then, then something is wrong. Yeah? I, I think in 10 years it has to be everywhere. So people don't, don't talk about Bitcoin. I mean, they, they just use it. Yeah, They don't identify as Bitcoiners. I remember in the early days of uh, when the internet became popular, like early 90s, we had internet meetups. We had internet user meetups. And that sounds so ridiculous today because everybody uses the internet, you know? So of course you will have specific things like for developers, and just for lightning, or this or that. But just going and talking about Bitcoin, yeah. I'm pretty sure in a few years it will be over. And that's a good thing. Yeah? I'm working towards that. And then we can talk about the gold, gold times. Yeah? And uh, it wasn't great back then when just a few people in some room in, in Kreuzberg would talk about it. But we want the whole world to, to use it, right? I mean, that's the whole idea. We want to make the world a better place, not just some bar in Kreuzberg or Brooklyn. Yeah? You see, you see uh, uh, this still happening in all of these, all of these different communities. True, yeah. Well, I'm, I'm very often in Latin America. There's a lot going on, especially in these countries like Argentina and Venezuela, where they have all these problems, hyperinflation and 
frozen bank accounts or that they really know what they're talking about and there's a much more passion behind it yeah i think in the west i like well, north i don't know you call it like us europe yeah people like it people are fascinated by the idea but they don't really need it so urgently but when you go to venezuela people need it to survive for their survival ah, right? yeah, this is a very so. good this is a very good point, right? So so mm. one of the first places that we met was La Bitconf in 2013 or 14 yeah. in Argentina. Dude, I, it was the very was the first best one. trip. Yeah, yeah. I was a that was the best I missed. That was the best, probably my favorite, one of my favorite trips of all time. Roger Veer, Eric Boyes yeah. was there. We were having a good time. But you very you just uh kind of put a light bulb in my head. Uh-huh. I remember walking around Buenos Aires and are, you know, everyone was living a normal life, but at the same time, you're you're living in a world of at the time it was like nine or ten percent inflation, very similar to what we're going through in America now. And anyone who's less than forty one years old has never experienced any inflation ever. You know, if you're older than forty one, then you've experienced some inflation. But Bitcoin and crypto started to exist in these places where they had real inflation. We looked at that and we're like hyperinflation. But now our numbers in the U.S. is the same type of inflation that Argentina was dealing with 10 or 20 years ago. It's like the same thing. And so now we're seeing why these things are actually important. Mm. It, it's getting more and more important, of course. I mean, the, all these things was happening now to Russia and Ukraine. I, I mean, it's, it's, it looks like the, the age of the petrodollar is over, yeah? That that probably now you have to buy your oil in yuan and ruble. I mean, this 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 monopoly of the US dollar is obviously fading away. And, and I, I think that's also a good thing, yeah? That it's, it's, should be more fair, yeah? And maybe Bitcoin will take over. I mean, but we will have some difficult times ahead of us, for sure. We will see hyperinflation, and probably even big economic crisis. And that's, of course, not a good thing, but it is it is good for Bitcoin. If you have Bitcoin, then you're I'm on the scared. side, right? Yeah. We've, yeah. we've been calling this for like 10 years. We've been saying this was going to happen. But mm. now that it's actually coming closer, it, like, it's scary. What do we do? How do we protect ourselves and our families? No, well, I think we are okay, right? If you have Bitcoin, if you if you know how to protect that and your your wealth, you're okay. But most people don't. Most people still have money on the bank account and savings, and still trust the government. And they will have they will have trouble, of course. And and all we can do is educate, yeah, and warn people and say, hey, get your money in Bitcoin. Don't keep it on a, on some exchange, but get a hardware wallet and make sure that you really own them. Then it's then it's like having gold when there was inflation in Germany in 1923, when one piece of butter would cost a few billion Deutschmarks or Reichsmark. I mean, but of course it's not nice to be in the middle of misery and people suffering. I don't, I'm not looking forward to that. But hopefully, then after the crisis, something new can can come up from that. Yeah, like Phoenix from the ashes. Yeah, hopefully, hopefully. I want to read an article. I want to read a mm-hmm. quote that you had from 2014. You said okay. in, in 20 years, we will use Bitcoin as naturally as we use the Internet today. That was eight eight years ago. How do you feel about that quote now? Well, we, we are nearly there already. I yeah, mean, right? If you go to El Salvador, well, <laughs> if you go to El Salvador I, was, I was there in November and you could buy, you could use Bitcoin everywhere. Yeah, to pay your Uber, to go to McDonald's everywhere. And even like some, some booth at the street where you can buy these like pupusas, they call it. And, the, and uh, I think the Lightning Network makes a big difference yeah? because Bitcoin is great for like larger payments and it's not so urgent. But if you want to buy some little, you know, some taco on the street, uh, yeah, you don't want to wait for 10 minutes. Yeah. And that's why the Lightning Network is amazing. So basically, the whole El Salvador thing is only possible through Lightning. Yeah. It's basically in a Lightning Network beach, yeah? not, a, not a Bitcoin beach. And now the whole country has become that. And I think many countries now look at that. Yeah. The next question, the question he yeah. asked you, uh, this again, this was 2014, and he said, uh, BitFilm's been going from strength to strength since your last interview. Oh, when was your last interview before that? That was early enough, but we go, uh, uh, yeah, a, few, uh, a year earlier. But you said, we're currently working on a video trailer for the Bitcoin conference in Rio, an explanatory video for a decentralized exchange, and a short ad for the book of Satoshi, and on a documentary about the dark web for a public television station. Uh, you were doing a lot back then. What are you? What are some of the things you're working on now? Um, well, there's there's one thing we do a short explanatory. There's this sort one two minutes for a thing called Crypto Racetrack. It's a company from Mexico City, and they do. You can bet. You can bet on not racehorses, but actually these speed races, like in in Star Wars. You know, and every one of those is re- uh, represents either Bitcoin, Ethereum, or Cardano, and you just bet on them. But uh, they're real life performance. 
makes a win or not. Yeah, so it's a very playful win to invest in, in derivatives. Yeah, it's complicated things. So, and, and this is a 3D animation, very action driven. And the other thing we work on is an animated series. It's not crypto, but it's very libertarian. So it's a version of a libertarian book. But I'm, we're still in the process, so I cannot tell them the name. But this will be a long, ongoing thing, yeah? Have you found, um, like, distribution channels where crypto or Bitcoin or libertarian folks like watching and taking in content? Yeah, I mean, there are lots of YouTube channels all over. Yeah, there's so many people who talk about Bitcoin and we, they can learn things. That's great. That has, has grown a lot, yeah? I think in the, in the mainstream media, it's not so much. And they usually just say stupid things about that it wastes too much energy. But a real, like, like a TV channel about that would be nice. Yeah. But, but I mean, the, the, the internet does the job pretty well. Yeah. I mean, YouTube and Vimeo and all this, maybe the decentralized platforms should, should grow. Yeah. We don't depend on, on Google, whether they, or YouTube, whether they accept your channel or not, or just arbitrarily close it down. It should be censorship, censorship resistant. So it would be good to have a, like a YouTube blockchain base yeah. without censorship. It would yeah. be that would be a great thing. It would be like kind of again. It would be like sacrilegious if we launched a you know full time YouTube channel because then it's on a centralized platform. Like how could we launch a decentralized technology on a centralized platform? We need to launch like some sort of decentralized distribution channel where we know we yeah. can't be shut down and people can, can maybe earn some rewards or something like that. Yeah, they, ex they exist. Yeah, library and whatever. The, the, th the problem is I wanted to use it, but then they wouldn't accept the size of my video. Yeah, they technically, I mean, I think they're not there yet. Yeah? And I'm also, I'm not so like Puritan that it has to be. I mean, of course, the ideal is that the, everything in the world is decentralized, but we also have to be realistic. And when everybody's on YouTube, then of course we use it. Yeah, even if it's not, perfect whatever we do it's better to reach somebody on a centralized medium than not to reach somebody on a decentralized i would say yeah so and, and same with el salvador i mean in a way it's totally against bitcoin that the, that the government uh, issues a law saying now bitcoin is legal tender now you have to accept it i mean they're not so strict in that they really enforce it but it's it's totally against the idea of bitcoin it should not be top-down coming from the government saying now you have to use Bitcoin. And then also another funny situation is that the people who are against the government, now they're against Bitcoin because they, they see, oh, it's this thing from the president. We don't like the president, so we don't like Bitcoin. So absurd. Usually people who don't like governments and the state, they are for Bitcoin. And then it's also a bit the other way around. But still, I think it's good they did it. It's a great but, PR but where thing. The line? Look at it, you know? yeah. Where's the line? Like, where where do we draw the line of say, like the ends justify the means? And that's kind of like now, now I, I and I agree with you. That's almost like when mm. I heard about the El Salvador thing, I was a little bit like, like why? But the, would would we advocate for the government to pass a law to force people to use Bitcoin? That's so against everything. The reason I got involved. I remember the first thing I ever learned about libertarianism and and Bitcoin was one of my friends, Zach Harvey in 2011 told me, Charlie, we're not going to end the Fed. If you ever meet someone that says end the Fed, walk away. He said, we're going to transcend the Fed. And what he meant was let's build a better one. And then people voluntarily come and use ours. That's kind of the way I believe things should be done. Absolutely. I know I totally agree, but I'm also pragmatist and you know, it's better that, I mean, True mostly story. governments, uh, they, they, block the way. They come up with all kinds of stupid regulations and they ban it. So I prefer, I mean, prefer no government, of course, we agree on that. But if there's a government, and that's the reality, it's better that they have Bitcoin-friendly laws than, you know, laws that ban Bitcoin or, or whatever, yeah, go, go into our, our privacy. So, and, and what I like about this, I mean, I think there will not be so many like nation states accepting Bitcoin. I, th I think that would be a very slow, I wouldn't expect that. I mean, I know some things happen in Honduras and, and in Me Mexico and Brazil. They, there are politicians who now want to like position themselves as a Bitcoin friendly people. And okay, why not? Yeah, better have them as friends than as enemies. But the real movement will be um, in special economic zones, free private cities, more like bottom up, yeah? I think I'm working with uh, this guy, Titus Gable, who is uh, the man behind the free private city movement. 
And they are working there. They're talking with governments. Yeah, they're not against. What is the free private city movement? I never uh, heard of this before. Okay, yeah. The idea is to have to make. I mean, people want to live together, and they need some things. They need some kind of police, some kind of jurisdiction, all that. And the idea is, if you leave all these things to the government, they will not work. If you have it in a private company where you have a contract with a company that runs the city, but you can also, if it doesn't work, you can sue the company to a, on a higher level of a, of a court. You have a real contract. You're not just a, some kind of slave, yeah, but you're real. You're a customer. So it's the idea of free market, the free market uh, principle, um, applied to politics in a way. And it starts with special economic zones, which are a bit more than economic zones. They have their own laws. So for example, in Honduras, they changed the, con con the constitution. So it's possible to create these uh, so-called sedes. And they not only have like, certain economic uh, factors, which you have this is very in many cool. places. I, I love it. I love it. I think that's the way. Yeah? For instance, there's this guy, Vigetiska uh, from uh, Czech Republic, and he Try to find this place between Croatia and Serbia. Oh yeah, and, I remember. And created Liberland. Liberland. Yeah, that's of course it's a cool idea, but as a matter of fact, he he fights against the government. He cannot never enter, goes to jail. So the free private city people, they are more like, hey, we talk with the governments and we convince them to give us that land, and we tell them, hey, this will attract interesting people, interesting investors, companies. Yeah. I think realistically. Because I spent a lot of time talking to, to to so we so unfortunately we like and you've learned this being you know spending t time in Miami El Salvador all over Germany everywhere is that we we look to like these like presidential politicians as affecting our lives but really it's the local politicians it's the city councilors the commissioners the council you know people the the mayors the it's those people who are directly city commission we elect them directly and they directly mm. affect our lives up to like a state governor really is like after that. Or county and state after that, or whatever the equivalent is in the world, I spent a lot of time talking to those people, and they understand that people do want more efficiency. In fact, there's a, an island here, Siesta Key, that there's a lot of people that live on that island. It's a huge island, and mm -hmm. they're they're like a quasi. They're not a city, there, but they're in the county, but they're stressed out because they're not getting enough representation in the county government. So they they proposed. So the governor, this new, I was very impressed, this new model of government called the hybrid light government model, where basically mm -hmm. all government contracts are outsourced to either private companies or other counties. And what he was explaining to me, he said, these ideas are great, but the problem is when it comes down to like, when it comes down to like murder, uh, 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 rape, uh, domestic violence, like really violent like problems like that. These like new free private cities just don't have the enough capability to manage those things. So citizens aren't willing to like give that up yet. You kind of follow where I'm going with this? Well, they need to have some kind of law enforcement. Yeah, what they call the police or security. You need that. I mean, of course, you cannot like just negotiate about everything. About private <laughs> yeah. issues, yeah. But when it comes to crime, of course. I mean, that that's I think something. I mean, there are these models, yeah, but Hans Hermann Hoppe and and anarcho-capitalism and it's it's interesting but it has never been tried yes yeah? so i think a certain level of policing is, is but of course it can be managed by a private company why not yeah and then of course if it's on the more like global level of course these entities have to somehow cooperate yeah if some if some uh, criminal just escapes over the border but we still have that problem yeah if some somebody is you know a criminal in the u.s and then he i don't know flees to whatever mexico or brazil I think you still have to cooperate, and but this can also be done by this network of private cities. But it's all about decentralization, of course. And the, the, I totally agree. The, the closer you are to the people, the more the decisions are taken on the on the local level, and where you take actually take part. I mean, Switzerland is a good example with these cantons. Yeah, where basically all the interesting laws, important laws, are so on that cool. canton level, and these like sometimes just a few thousand people, right? Some are bigger, but and, and they have direct democracy and the people can really vote about everything. And there is a federal government in, in Switzerland, but you hardly know the people, you know, they're not so important. That's much more on the canton level. And there's simply an, um, 
a way we, we should follow. And I really like this idea of the free private city because you really have a contract with it. It's not a government. Yeah, this is a service provider. You have a contract. And if you get mugged on the street, but they guarantee you security, you can sue them for being mugged. Yeah? And they cannot just raise the taxes. You have a fee that you pay for the services, yeah, for whatever. Uh, the fire brigade and yeah, all I'm the police, the website, all yeah. things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're, they're good, and they have several products. Honduras, something in Africa. I cannot name the country yet, but it will be disclosed soon. Uh, they also work. They're also working with all kinds of guns. The idea is when you once launch something successful, then many people will follow. It's a bit the idea uh, how. Uh, Deng Xiaoping transformed China from total communist poor uh, to this economic powers. I mean, it's still communist, yeah. But what he did is not introducing free market capitalism to the whole country. He created one special economic zone, Shenzhen, close to Hong Kong, and it was so successful that everybody wanted to have these privileges. And now, like half of China is a special economic zone. They still don't have political freedom. Yeah, they're definitely not perfect. But this idea of starting small and then growing from there. I think that that always works best rather than saying, now we have the law, the whole country should follow. But rather, I mean, El Salvador is so small that it's, it's nearly like a special economic zone. It's just six million people. Yeah, but I, I think it would be hard to introduce Bitcoin as legal tenant in the US. But you can have a, whatever, a free private city somewhere and they use Bitcoin everywhere and they use blockchain technology. And then everyone say, oh, that's great. We want to have it too. Yeah, I mean, leading by example, that would be the idea. It makes me think about what we are because I identify as a as a Bitcoiner. I don't identify as like a lot of times as as a as a someone who's so much in the in the crypto industry because that has all of its different digression paths where where they go off. I'm talking about like the meme subculture that that we started and and I'm talking about uh, all these things that you and I identify with from, from free private cities to full decentralization to, to fairness. Uh, and then at the same time, it almost makes me think about how like maybe Bitcoin is the NFT. There's only 21 million ever Bitcoin. And this kind of culture over the last 10 plus years that has been developed, do you think about that? Do you think about what is this culture? What are you, where you fall into this kind of whole larger picture? Do you say to like, ich bin ein Bitcoiner or whatever? <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, that's what I'm working on, this exhibition about crypto culture. Just this thing, of course, Bitcoin is fungible. Bitcoin has to be fungible because it's money. Yeah, every Bitcoin is good as any other. Every Satoshi is good as every other. The idea of non-fungibility only applies to things that are kind of unique or scarce, like, you know, art or maybe real estate. So there is a use, definitely there are lots of use cases for NFTs. And you can build NFTs based on Bitcoin. There's the, the, the RSK sidechain on top of Bitcoin. You can do everything you do with Ethereum based on Bitcoin. There's yes. a project Carnival that you were telling me about earlier. Yeah. Yeah, Carnival is one of the examples. But there are lots of DeFi companies now work, working with Bitcoin. I mean, of course, you have to have this tag. You have to, Bitcoin directly doesn't do smart contracts. You have to have these so-called smart Bitcoins for it. But it's, it's totally connected to the Bitcoin network. It's secured by the Bitcoin network. There's no, there are no extra nodes and no extra miners. It's all the, the, the Bitcoin nodes. It's really kind of a second layer to that. And it works pretty well. And it's, for me, it's very convincing. So um, now we have the fire brigade here. Okay. Um, <laughs> we can't have a free economic zone without information being free. Because, mm. and that's what confuses me. It's like you have politics and you have, all these free economic zones, but then without free information, media companies or large governmental organizations, whether they're like non-governmental or they're like quasi-governmental because they're capitalistic or economic, they will put people from one side to another just for, for financial incentives. And so you don't have the freedom of information. Things like the Brooklyn subway shooting shit happens. Now I'm going to get emails, people saying, ah, blah, blah, blah. You're minimizing the yeah clearly. Yeah, there will always be criminals and bad people. I think we cannot totally avoid it. But of course, we can organize society in a, in a more efficient way. Yeah, definitely better, not like the government way, but, but more the, the free market way. I think it leads to better, much better results. I mean, history has always shown that. But of course, it's not perfect. There will always be crazy people and people like I don't know shooting and the, <laughs> yeah. We can't just minimize that. Yeah, but 
But we want to talk about uh, the crypto culture thing, and that's something uh, I want to celebrate. That we have to. Hey, how do we do that? Yeah. I want to celebrate yeah. too. Well, one, there are many things. I mean, of course, every conference, every meeting is like an expression of this crypto culture. What what I mean by it is like, of course, this passion for it, and and it shows, and all these things that you know, expression like hodl to the moon or when Lambo or or uh, the the honey badger as a mascot or. The alpaca, whatever. So there is, there's a huge culture already, yeah. And and words, I have orange pilled them, you know. Who would understand that normally, yeah? So there's a huge culture, expressions, visual things, and and we have this art exhibition, and we'll start soon. It will start in Tulum and then New York City, and then we'll travel to Buenos Aires and Sao Paulo and other places. And we have artworks, and some of them we will sell as NFTs. Not all. Some are already sold. Some are classics, you know, like Hodel by Crypto Graffiti. Which is on the cover and, and all these things. I think I oh, maybe I can show the book later, but it's I show you the the catalog. So you have an idea. So this is the Hodel by Crypto. Oh, that's so cool. Which is which is a physical uh, piece, and of course it's uh, we will not expose it as we have just an image of that. But we have all kinds of images like you know the honey. Uh, this is a T-shirt. The the honey badger is here. The honey, famous honey badger invented by Roger Veer or orange. Pills by Lucio Poletti, who lives in Mexico, the Bitcoin Pizza Day. You know, we even have these rituals like eating pizza on May 22nd. So and so this is a statue of Satoshi, this way of Satoshi. Normally Satoshi is portrayed like this, this the guy from Los Angeles. I once interviewed him at, at one See of my listeners, songs. this is why so you well, should be watching the yeah, show. He's showing yeah. like beautiful art by Lucio Poletti and and the Hodel. Yeah. And oh, that's gorgeous. It's a it's a a, a, a dollar bill with Bitcoin art over it and, and yeah. colors and oh, gray and white. I love that. The HODL so thing. It, Someone needs to make that a statue yeah. somewhere, like a real life statue. Like it, it is. City. It is. It's, it's a real life object. But I think somebody uh, uh, bought it. I, I we, we will not be able to expose this thing, but it's on oh, the cover, of course. so and cool. We will do it in, in New York City. It will also be online, of course. It will be on Carnival Art. You can buy the NFTs. But we want real life events. We want events where people can come together. Maybe have some talks. Maybe we can come and then give a talk about your experiences. Let's talk about that later. And, and we do a crypto fest in Tulum in Mexico in May, and there we will kind of uh, show it. But also in big cities like New York. So, and the idea is, I mean, now everybody's talking about NFT and crypto. And a lot of crypto is already using these things. You see all these Bitcoin logos and honey badgers. Not that we invented that. We just try to only select the good ones, yeah, because oh. there is a lot of crap out there. Yeah, so, and then on the one hand side, of course, it talks to art lovers, yeah, but the main idea is that we use art to, to express these, you know, the, the crypto culture and, and tell people about what it what it's about and why, why the pizza day, why hodl, why to the moon, what does it mean? Because for us, yeah, for you and me, this is like we grew up with it in a way, or we grew old with it, depends on the age. Oh, no, uh, we didn't grow but... old with it, we grew up with it. <laughs> We're still young. Yeah, you you grew up, but okay, I discovered a little <laughs> later in my life. But anyway, uh, we, for, for us, it's natural. That's what I mean. And for most people, hey, Hodel, Honey Badger, what are they talking about? So that's the idea of this. This is a catalog, and it's also a book. You can can buy it soon at Amazon. Now, at the moment, still only from me and at the at the, at the exhibitions. So the idea is to reach normal people, yeah, not the regular geeks who already into it for the whatever, yeah, for the tech. But people just want to, I mean, and that's the idea to really bring it to a new level. And art is a wonderful um, medium for that. Yeah? For, what I observed when you go to a regular Bitcoin meetup, you have 90% men, right? When you go to an art meetup, you have like 50 50. You have lots of women because, I mean, everybody loves art and it, it talks. It talks more on an, and you reach people on an emotional level. And I think that's crucial that you really reach people's emotions and say, hey, wow, we can really change it. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's a good thing about art. I mean, I'm, I'm a bit skeptical about this whole hype about the NFTs and crypto art. I mean, this will probably be over. Yeah, People only talk, ah, oh, he sold it for so and so many millions, so and so million, and all these like crypto punks and bored apes. I mean, that's not very exciting to me, honestly. Yeah, There is great art out there, and I've already met so many really cool artists. And, and and the good thing is they can now maybe not become rich, but make a living on it. Yeah. For instance, my I have a friend in Mexico. He's not a super famous artist, but he every now and then he issues some art and then he sells it for a few hundred dollars. And that's a lot of money in Mexico, you know. So 
I'm not talking about the, the big guys who then sell something for 50 million. Fine, yeah, that's okay. It's nothing wrong about it, but it's more that a normal artist, you know, he's maybe not a star, but he can reach his audience, he gets the money directly, and he can also benefit from the secondary sales, you know, because if you get more famous and your, your uh, artworks then get sold from the gallery to another gallery or museum, you get nothing in the old world. But in the new world of NFTs, you can get the royalties of every sale. And that's fair because it's the artist who should benefit from it the most. So you say. have this, yeah, it's like if you the perfect example. I was, I was in a, in a, that's so that's, uh, it's a brilliant, brilliant, brilliant way to explain NFTs. And so for the same reason Bitcoin became successful, that is exactly why it'll be successful. Uh, a few months ago, I was walking in a, in a, in a flea market in, in, in Tampa with my wife and she saw this, someone drew this like similar to like Sailor Moon style art, which, mm -hmm. which we love of some, like a couple that look like us. And she was mm -hmm. selling it as like a one for three NFT. Like there was only three of them <laughs> and it was digital drawn okay. art. And so Courtney was like, I really want to buy this. So we paid, it was like a hundred dollars. We paid for the NFT. And mm -hmm. I've been talking about this NFT a lot. And this artist who I totally forgot her name. I've, I've mm. no memory is now becoming mm. more popular because people are checking my NFT uh, 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 address they're seeing who she is and they're checking out all of her other art and she's just a local Tampa art but now when people are buying all of her stuff which again is not expensive she'll make a dollar for every time someone does a sale or whatever because it's all yeah. on the blockchain it's exactly perfect, why yeah it's perfect yeah I mean I think people should not expect to like just go on some, some platform and mid an NFTs and suddenly get rich I think you it's not about the quick buck, yeah, but it is about fairness. And it's not only these few 1% of superstars get the money and everybody else has to drive Ubers or wait tables, but that you can make a living. No, that's the reality. Yeah? Most no, it's a laughing out of nervousness. The starving artist, yeah. It's not, I mean, I think if you do art, you don't do it for the money. You do it because you want to do it. But then it's only fair that when, if you do something great that you also get paid for it, yeah. And now that we have these possibility, can reach an audience the global audience through the internet. And so I, I'm all for this crypto art hype, but as every hype, of course, there will be disappointments and maybe people go on the platform and then never sell anything. They have had to pay all these high gas fees. And well, we have to be realistic as well. Yeah. But that's why what we do is we want to correct with, with established galleries. We want to talk with the established collectors and make the connection between this new up and coming artists. I have this young artist, I think he's from Venezuela. Never met him in person, but I represent him. And he's Max Cryptohead. And he's, he's doing these, these uh, portraits of, of crypto pioneers. I think he should be in it too. Yeah, but uh, we have this, this series here, uh, David Shaw. Oh, I heard this? about this. Yeah. 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 We had an exhibition with that in Miami and in Mexico City. And he's, I think this is Satoshi. Of course, a fake Satoshi from the Yeah, yeah, yeah. Power, yeah. So that's how Dorian one of the became. Dorian became like the face for fake Satoshi type of thing. Yeah, he became. Yeah. He's, He's a nice guy too. And, Alphane, so, and now we have, we, in the future we want to do is this voting. Here's we even Vitalik. So we not, we're not Bitcoin maximalists here. Diego. Um, so that's one of the series we will, will show. But we also did that before. And that's, it's good to people learn because not everybody knows these people. But they are the giants who, I mean, Satoshi. Stands was standing on the shoulders of giant. Now there are more and more people doing great stuff. Yeah, I think you were on the short list. I think you were yeah. on the short list. But then I don't know. Somebody else was. Old. But you, you know, I think you still have a chance. Yeah, you have a you have a great story to tell. Yeah. One of the things that really attracted yeah. me to this world was I was coming from from a very very religious community when I was younger. That where there was almost like ulterior motives for like why people like you or why you're involved in things and and you just like you're always having to second guess yourself and other things and if you didn't fit the mold and one mm -hmm. of the things that attracted me personally to the early bitcoin community was this fact that people either loved you or hated you and they told mm -hmm. you why it was like very no ulterior motives because you almost had this like this you had satoshi who at the time you know you have this anonymous coder who never realized, never realized monetary gain or social clout from, from, from his invention, you know? And so that kind of followed the ethos of that, of that early Bitcoin community. And mm -hmm. I like growing up, say growing old in this community where it's like, what you see is what you get and telling people straight shooting. And, and, and at the same time, like if you're veering off your path, people will bring you back in. And I've lost that a little bit. 
Uh, mm-hmm. The community has gotten bigger. Culture has gotten bigger, spread out. A lot of the early Bitcoin people have left the, the space or are doing other things. And the kind of the community, I'm going to say for me personally, and you know where all the good pockets are, but the community for me has become a little diluted. And that's why I say I'm not doing enough to maintain that early culture. And I've personally noticed that I've become a little more personally insecure lately in my own life. And I like to talk about it because it helps me. Uh, And people say, Harley, how could you be insecure? You spent like two years in prison. But no, I definitely still have a lot of insecurities. And I think, and someone hit, you know, hit, hit me on the head the other day figuratively and said, Charlie, what are you doing for yourself? And I think that's my problem is I haven't been doing enough for me personally, not for monetary gain. So maybe this could be something that I want to get back because this is what I love. This is why I got into And back then we weren't making any money with this thing. We were, we were starving artists ourselves. Yeah, yeah, true. Yeah, of course, there are all these issues now. I mean, how, how to cope with that? I mean, uh, I, I think with, when, when you deal with Bitcoin, you, you could all the time run around with the bad mood saying, oh, I should have bought then, I should have invested, I shouldn't have sold, all these stories, you know. I, I, I recently gave a talk about this kind of how to, how to deal with these, all this disturbing emotion that can, can come up. Yeah? I mean, all the Bitcoins that I sold in my life that now would be probably millions and I don't have them anymore. <laughs> And of course, I could be unhappy about it, yeah. But I learned to somehow cope with this emotion. Say, okay, it doesn't matter if I should have this, I should have done that. And you know, I mean, for instance, I in in Jörg's room seventy-seven, and when I was there the first time, I bought a burger and a beer for five bitcoins, five and a half, I think, yeah, which I earned from doing some libertarian publication, yeah. So that's I earned those bitcoins. I didn't buy them. And I sold them, and now I bought the burger with that, and it was a delicious burger. And now, of course, five bitcoins, like $2,000 for, for a burger and beer. Sounds like crazy, yeah? yeah? Not as crazy as the pizza story, but and of course, people ask me, hey, are you sad that you're now as rich as you could be? But I said, no, I mean, I live in the moment. I met lots of amazing people. Yes, so I had to sell lots of bitcoins in my life. There's, there was no other way around. And, and of course, I could be all the time unhappy of not being a billionaire, not being able to buy a Lambo every every week or so. But I don't need that. You know, I prefer to be like early in the in the game. And on the on the other hand, if people like you and me hadn't sold, hadn't spent these bitcoins and, and bought five bitcoins for paid five bitcoins yeah. for a burger, then the whole economy wouldn't exist. If everyone is just only holding, not doing anything, money has to circulate because it makes sense to hold. But on the other hand, also you want to spend. So for instance, my company is totally 100% Bitcoin. Our, our clients pay us in Bitcoin. I pay my animators and musicians and voice talents in Bitcoin. And we are totally in that. And that's the way it should be, I think. Yeah. There's this whole idea of, oh, I cash out and I change my Bitcoin for dollars. At the moment, it's, it's unavoidable, but it should be there that, we, that only Bitcoin rotates and only Bitcoin circulates. And I think Lightning will, will definitely help, yeah, so that you can really buy small things, coffee for, I don't know, two, three dollars on the street and really there. But it needs to be used as money. Yeah? The whole idea of digital gold and store of value, for me, it's not enough. Yeah, we should really make people use it every day. Yeah, we should. And, and, yeah, and, and think about, ah, oh, now I pay coffee with it and maybe next year I could buy a Lambo with it. Yeah, I mean, if you think like that and you would never spend it, Makes no sense. If no I mean, one spent any, yeah? Yeah. if no one yeah. spent it, that's what happened though. As people started buying it, they started holding it, and the mm. community dissipated because back then it was all about spending it. Why were people coming yeah. to Satoshi Square, the Bitcoin Berlin Exchange? Why were people coming to my nightclub EVR? Remember that, like mm. to spend Bitcoin, because it was about spending it to be within this community and relationships. And if I asked you. Over the course of your life, your short life so far, what are the, the one thing that has made you happy and the thing that has made you sad when you lost it? It's not money, it's relationships. When I'm light Absolutely. on relationships, when I only have relationships with one or two people, I'm like, I'm not, I'm, I don't know where I belong in society. But it's, you have a lot. Of, now, if you use money to create amazing relationships, and you can go around the world and meet, you know, monks in China to, to, to Arctic you know, explorers in, in Antarctica, that, and that makes you happy. That's great. But it, for me, that's why, honestly, like I looked at prison 
And I made some of the best relationships. That didn't cost me anything. It cost you. Oh, it cost wow. taxpayers money, actually. <laughs> <laughs> and not mine. But... Well, the thing about the community, <laughs> of course, you're right. If, if the community grows, it, it isn't as cozy anymore. You don't need, I mean, now in, in Miami, there were 25,000 people. Yeah? And most of them, of course, I didn't know. And it, you, can't, you can't feel lost. Yeah? I think, oh, the good old days when we were like with 20 people in room 77, are oh, they all gone? But no, I don't, I don't agree. I think it's totally fine that it grows. And yes, there will be like the boring suits and the lawyers. Okay, yeah, they're also there. And there will be, there will be scammers and there will be people who want to steal your money. And that's even the sign that's really there's a value in it. Of course, you have to take care. And it's, it is annoying, yeah? All these people who like, do you also have all these impersonators that, that uh, send messages to your friends and want them... Uh, uh, convince them to invest in some scams. Yeah, that's just embarrassing. Yeah? If somebody yeah. uses your image and your name, I don't like it. But then I think it's yeah. It's an we should co-write. We should is... co-write a book where it's like <laughs> yeah. we're teaching people the early days of Bitcoin, but also why we personally got into it. And you know, because we follow all these social, economic, relationship reasons, and people will come out of it with more positive mental health, physical health. Uh, and maybe monetary health and stuff like that too, yeah. but also I, some good stories. And I met many brilliant people. And honestly, there are the people who go just go for the quick buck. They ask, hey, how can I make money with that? But these are not the people who do interesting things. The people who really build stuff, who, the people who really do amazing things that, that have, a, have a meaning for the Bitcoin, they are all driven by something else. I mean, it's fine to get rich. Yeah? Nobody's, everybody likes to be free and have money. But most people I know, I think all the people I know that really have an, some important function in the Bitcoin world, they're all driven by something else. They do want to make the world a better place. Say they maybe they come from Argentina, they see the slums, they want to do something for the people, they want to help the the unbanked, they they are for, for social inclusions. And these are the people I relate to, you know. So I don't really care. I, I don't know any. I, have, I don't have any scammers in my my. But but they are good people who are. Perhaps this, and that's the great thing about Bitcoin. It's not this either or. Oh, either yeah. you are like socially active, but then you are you are poor, or you are like rich, but you're like kind of a shark, and you're like no, you can make really good things that really make the world a better place and get rich by it. And there's nothing wrong about it. And that's I I don't know any other movement where it's so obvious that it, these two things are not a contradiction but go together. You know. So I'm more pessimist. I'm, I'm more optimistic about the development of the Bitcoin community. I think even if it grows, there will still be people driven. I mean, for instance, there was this guy on in, in Miami. He built up. He, I think he was a CEO of Sprint and all kinds of business. Yeah, and he said he he discovered Bitcoin last year. Like he's not early stage, but of course he's a he's a billionaire. He's an investor, and he was totally passionate about it. I mean, all these new people who just discovered Bitcoin. Very lately, they have that same spirit. Yeah, it's not that now everybody's only in it for for making a quick buck. No, they invest, but they also want to fix problems with bitcoins. Yeah, actually, you can argue that during the bear markets is when people really, you know, develop the love and the spirit of bitcoin and crypto because that's when it's not about monetary gain. Exactly. Yeah. So, and if you, yeah, if you go through the bitcoin yeah. <laughs> winters and then you deserve the spring and the summer it's true yeah that's another yeah, thing it's like what does that mean yeah. people don't understand what's a bitcoin winter that's another like term you know it's oh, all these yeah. new cultures it's missing it's missing in my it's missing in my uh, exhibition it's true yeah, yeah. i mean <laughs> the winters just means like you know it's cold not much is going on yeah that's and spring is when everything blossoms and I don't know where we are now. It's kind of like so so, so static, right? We're all hovering around forty thousand dollars, and something goes a little up or a little down. We don't have the big curves going pointing upwards like end of twenty twenty when it grew like crazy. Maybe for the but better. Okay. Yeah. Maybe for yeah, the better because okay. Satoshi. You know, I read. I was spent. I spent a lot of time really reading like every single word that Satoshi ever wrote. Like every mm -hmm. email, every message, rereading messages that. That I that I was in those chat rooms and stuff, just rereading everything. And and I, I think Satoshi, the one thing, if someone said to me, What do you think Satoshi didn't expect? I don't think he mm -hmm. expected it to happen this fast. I think Satoshi actually set out like certain key checkpoints in the year like 2035, the year 2140. There's certain curves and 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 mathematical, like he actually knew that volatility would be crazy in the early years and over time volatility would wane and go away and that's when you'd have more stable money that you can build like stable coins off of but it's happening a lot faster than everyone True, expected yeah. it to be 
I think nobody could expect that. I think I, I remember when some guy said, ah, Bitcoin will be $2,000. I said, ah, come on. Yeah. <laughs> That's probably a mistake. And now we had 40000 Yeah, I mean, I totally wouldn't have predicted this development. Yeah, Maybe hoping for it, but it's like, yes, kind of crazy. Yeah. Today, Can I suggest one thing before and, you go? Yeah, one thing yeah, before sure, you go. Of course, of course. There is a secret, secret subway station that you can only uh -huh. see. You can't get off the train. It's the oldest subway station. It's from uh -huh. in the early 1900s, and it's beautiful tile mosaic. And okay. if you're, I forget which train. If you're on it, it still passes through, so you can oh, stay on the okay. train after the last stop and oh, see cool. the station. It's it's gorgeous. It's like being nice. in a in a time travel movie. I think it's a six train. But Google uh, secret subway yeah. station. All you got to okay. do is stay on the last stop, and it comes back anyways. You just don't get off. Okay. Maybe they tell about that in the museum. We'll see. Yeah, but yeah. If you want to continue, if you want to continue, of course we could do it. If you if you have so no, much. No, Aaron, thank you. Yeah, we'll do a part As two. There's like. so much I want to continue talking to you about. We'll do another part okay, two. Okay, great. Let's let's do take two. Bitcoin okay, Beach. Two. And you want to show ever... the you want to show the Bitcoin Beach video? Everyone, I mean, oh, I'm actually going to play it at the beginning of the show, and then I'm going to play good. the music video okay. at the end. So Okay. I think so I have out. to send you the file, right? Or did I do it? You did. You sent me everything. Ah, uh, okay. Okay, perfect. Super good, yeah. Yeah, it was <laughs> a great fun to talk with you. And if you want to I miss continue, you. We got to hang yeah. out again soon. I want to do something okay, with you. We'll great. talk later. Yeah, let's do that. Okay. Vamos a la playa, the Bitcoin beach For freedom of mind and freedom of speech How to use the central money, I'm gonna teach yeah. A much better world is in our reach Yeah, 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 yeah. The Bitcoin beach Vamos a la playa Yeah, yeah, yeah The Bitcoin beach Es el momento, dale, yeah, yeah Ojo Valenzuela went to Uruguay Got the Bitcoin virus and brought this to a supply Made a poor little town, the latest cry Now he you may buy. Yeah, 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 yeah. The Bitcoin Beach. Vamos a la playa. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Bitcoin Beach. Es el momento en Bisaya. El Presidente came to the site, saw that everything works at the speed of light. Saw the future of his country shining bright. Decided to join the freedom fight Fight for your right to get rich This is Bitcoin Beach, not Bitcoin Beach Beach.